Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our look at Dallin H. Oaks' conference message titled Kingdoms of Glory. It was a conference talk that he gave in October of 2023. And it is found in the November 2023 edition of the Leahona Magazine. It begins on page 26. He has various Roman numerals, and we are now on Roman numeral number four. So this is the last section of his talk. He's going to say some things that he says should be a comfort to his audience, but we're going to dissect some of the things that he points to and see if that is actually true. What does he start off by saying in section four? Because of Jesus Christ and his atonement, when we fall short in this life, we can repent and rejoin the covenant path that leads to what our Heavenly Father desires for us. Let me stop you there, because this whole idea of the covenant path, now we know this has been emphasized over and over again. Russell M. Nelson loved to talk about the covenant path. Other current leaders love to talk about this. If you sin, if you violate the covenants, and what are those covenants? Well, when you're baptized, when you go to the temple, you covenant that you will keep all of the commandments. That's basically what staying on the covenant path is all about. If you get off the covenant path, it means you did not keep the commandments, one or more of the commandments. You need to repent of that. The problem for the Latter-day Saint is in Mormonism, repentance is this concept where you not only confess the sin, but you forsake the sin, never to repeat the sin again. This is why you've often heard us say that technically, according to that definition, a Latter-day Saint can only repent of a sin one time. Because if they repeat the sin again, they never truly repented. Now, that's not our definition. This is what they've said. So if you get off the covenant path, you've sinned. How is that being what Heavenly Father desires you to become? And see, that's exactly what Dallin Oaks said in section three. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a plan that shows us how to become what our Heavenly Father desires us to become. But then in section four, he admits that we're going to fall short in this life. But then he tries to comfort his audience in the next paragraph. The Book of Mormon teaches that this life is a time for us to prepare to meet God. Now, he's citing Alma 34, and if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that we have often spent a lot of time talking about Alma 34. Spencer Kimball liked to quote Alma 34. Basically what it says, it says, If you procrastinate the day of your repentance, even until death, the devil has sealed you his, and this is the final state of the wicked. I don't know if that would comfort me, knowing that I have a member of the First Presidency in my church telling me that when I fall, I need to look at Alma 3434, because that shows that I have not repented of something, maybe many things, 
And if I don't get that rectified before I die, according to the Book of Mormon, the devil has sealed me his. Now, that's a general statement for all of mankind when you look at the context of Alma 34. It's not just talking about Latter-day Saints. It says now is the time for men to prepare to meet God. So if you are still finding yourself with sins that you have not repented of, then you haven't really prepared. You have procrastinated the day of your repentance. And I think that goes in line with what Marion G. Romney, who was part of the first presidency, said in the November 1974 General Conference uh, edition of the Ensign Magazine, page 39. He lays it out just like Alma 34 does. The church also accepts the scriptural doctrine that following the resurrection, each person, then in an immortal soul, will be arraigned before the bar of God's justice and receive a final judgment based on his performance during his mortal probation, that the verdict will turn on obedience or disobedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. If these laws and ordinances have been complied with during mortal life, the candidate will be cleansed from the stain of sin by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ and be saved in the celestial kingdom of God, there to enjoy with God eternal life. Those who have not complied with the laws and ordinances of the gospel will receive a lesser reward. I love how he makes it as, well, all you have to do is just keep all the commandments. Then you will get celestial kingdom. And if you don't, then you're going to be banned from that. Not only that, Eric, he made it very clear that if you don't do this, you still have the stain of your sins attached to you. How comforting can that be? I mean, that, I think that's one of the greatest things about Christianity is the fact that when we come to faith in Christ, acknowledge what he did for us on the cross, that our sins are forgiven at that moment. We don't have the stain of sin. We are not going to pay for the penalty of our sins. Why? Because Jesus paid for those sins in full. There's nothing that we have to look forward to as far as having to pay for any penalty of our sins. It was all done in Christ. A Latter-day Saint listening to this bill is going to say that sounds too easy. Well, of course they're going to say it sounds too easy, but I'd much rather have it sound easy than have it impossible. And see, this is where I think LDS leaders like Dallin Oaks, they try to comfort these people. First of all, they, they throw out Alma 34, which to me is the atom bomb of despair. They all are unrepentant of some sin. Whether they acknowledge it or they've forgotten, they are still culpable of that sin. And going back to Alma 34, verse 35, he doesn't quote, but it's a few verses after what he cites. For behold, if you have procrastinated the day of your repentance, even until death, behold, you have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you, and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you, and this is the final state of the wicked. You call it the atom bomb. Well, right there, that tells you there's not a whole lot of hope unless you keep all the commandments all the time. I don't even know why Dallin Oaks even brought that up. He could have gone into the next paragraph and left that entire mention out. I don't know why any Latter-day Saint ever makes reference to Alma 34, but yet many of them do. They don't always exegete it the way it reads or the way it's been understood by past leaders, but they often quote that. But then he goes on after saying, The Book of Mormon teaches that this life is the time for us to prepare to meet God. But then what does he say? 
But that challenging limitation to this life was given a hopeful context, at least to some extent for some persons, by what the Lord revealed to President Joseph F. Smith, now recorded in Doctrine and Covenants, section 138. It says, I beheld that the faithful elders of this dispensation, when they depart from mortal life, continue their labors in the preaching of the gospel of repentance and redemption through the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God among those who are in darkness and under the bondage of sin in the great world of the spirits of the dead. The dead who repent will be redeemed through obedience to the ordinances of the house of God, and after they have paid the penalty of their transgressions and are washed clean, shall receive a reward according to their works, for they are heirs of salvation. How is that supposed to offer his audience a bit of comfort in this context that he's giving us, what he calls a hopeful context? One thing about 138, it talks about Jesus appearing to the dead. He gets this from 1 Peter chapter 4, which is a vague passage to begin with, but Latter-day Saints can always take vague passages and insert whatever they want. Well, Jesus comes and he's going to preach to these spirits that are in prison. And he says, but unto the wicked he did not go. And among the ungodly and the unrepentant who had defiled themselves while in the flesh, his voice was not raised. He's not going to address the unrepentant. They're set aside. There's, it seems like from the context, they're doomed. Well, if you're an unrepentant Latter-day Saint, in other words, you have not really met the requirements of Alma, Alma 3434, how is that supposed to give you comfort? If you're going to take these words for what they've meant and how they've been explained by LDS leaders, I cannot see how this could be any type of comfort at all. Oaks goes on and says, in addition, we know that the millennium, the thousand years that follow the second coming of the Savior, will be a time to perform the required ordinances for those who have not received them in their mortal lives. But we're assuming that his audience, at least the adults, have already done all that. So what's the big deal about that? I think the part that may be overlooked by many, though, Eric, is the paragraph before the one you just read. And after they have paid the penalty of their transgressions and are washed clean, shall receive a reward according to their works. That's the people in section 138 that have died. So they are going to have to pay the penalty of their transgression. Now, I wondered, what in the world does that even mean, that these dead are going to have to pay the penalty of their transgression? So I thought, well, I'm going to find a commentary of some sort. Unfortunately, a lot of my commentaries are pre-1981, and this was not added until after that. So they don't mention this. So I found a manual that I have here. It's called the Doctrine and Covenant Student Manual, Religion 324 and 325. And I thought, well, I'll just go to see what it says in section 138 and see what the authors of this book have to say about that passage that talks about them having to pay the penalty of their transgression. Well, unfortunately, that's verse 59. This manual stops at verse 56. They don't even give the courtesy to their readers to explain what in the world that means. Now, would any Christian think that they're going to have to pay the penalty of their transgressions in order to be washed clean? 
No, because Christianity teaches that it was because of Jesus paying the penalty for their transgression that they are washed clean. That's not something that we look forward to in the future. It's something that we already have. And then when he goes on and he says salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. Bill, unless you all are on the same covenant path and doing all that you're supposed to do, they're going to be members of your family, not in the celestial kingdom with you, if you somehow qualified. And guess what? You probably won't even know it until the time has come, if this is true. Because he says, we have a loving heavenly father who will see that we receive every blessing and every advantage that our own desires and choices allow. So if you chose not to completely repent of all your sins and refuse to commit any of those sins again, then you can't expect to get all these blessings. He says, we also know that he will force no one into a sealing relationship against his or her will. The blessings of a sealed relationship are assured for all who keep their covenants, but never by forcing a sealed relationship on another person who is unworthy and unwilling. This is what you were talking about. If you have a spouse that is not on the covenant path, I mean, you may have thought they were, but now you find out after judgment they weren't at, at, at all because I guess they had not become what Dallin Oak said you must become. It's not just going through the motions. You must become. Maybe they were going through the emotions, and now you find at judgment day it's too late. They're not there. If your eternal happiness was based in another human being, you're going to be awfully disappointed. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.